Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Gary, Indiana with my new friend Joseph S. Pete, the author of Secret Northwest Indiana by Reedy Press. Joseph is a Northwest Indiana native that loves the region's melting pot of cultures and the rich biodiversity that's found in the Indiana Dunes. In this episode, we talk about exploring the Indiana Dunes National Park, visiting the Mascot Hall of Fame, and attending the Valparaiso Popcorn Festival. About these three amazing experiences, plus a bunch more. If you know someone that wants to visit Indiana, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Gary. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and to select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Joseph. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Today, we're going to be talking about Gary, Indiana. Not necessarily on a lot of people's top 10 lists, but from all the research I've done, it sounds like such a fun place to go, and there's a lot of different like fun things in that whole like northwest Indiana area. Oh, absolutely. It's right outside of Chicago. It's part of the broader Chicago metropolitan area. People typically don't visit like the city of Gary per se, but the Indiana Dunes uh, and the Indiana Dunes National Park in particular are major attractions that draw millions of visitors to the area a year. There's just a lot of attractions along the Indiana coastline. Indiana actually has the smallest coastline out of any state. I believe it's 49 miles total. And of that, about uh, 15 miles are within the um, what's called the Indiana Dunes. And one thing a lot of people are surprised by when they first visit the area is like Michigan is pretty vast and oceanic. A lot of people are surprised to discover it kind of, you know, very much looks like the ocean. It stretches pretty much as far as the eye can see. You have like singing sand beaches that squeak under feet. In many cases, like white sands, turquoise uh, waters, just the gently hypnotic rhythm of the waves, the bright blue cerulean skies. It's uh, a place where people, you know, very popular in the summer. That's really interesting. You say that there's like 15 miles of coastline there in Indiana, because when people are thinking about Indiana, that's not normally a a thing that people think about. Like it's normally like a, a landlocked state within the United States. I personally would have never thought there was actually it even touched water. So I guess it's like at the at the bottom of, of Lake Michigan. Is that what it is? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's uh, it's along the uh, the south shore of Lake Michigan. It actually has an international port that stretches through the Great Lakes to the St. Lawrence Seaway. So you have um, ships come from all over the world, from Poland and India, and um, various countries. They pass through the St. Lawrence River in Canada and come all the way down to um, the port of Burns Harbor. And then you have the iron ore boats that carry the iron ore to the steel mills and everything. But it's mainly a source of recreation in the area. It's uh, People go there to the beaches. People go boating. There's a lot of hiking and other attractions kind of along the along the shoreline. But uh, Lake Michigan is kind of the, the focal point of the area and a big draw. That's so fantastic. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those like bar trivia questions you can ask somebody, right? Like nobody would ever know that Indiana has its own like international port for, for shipping. So I think that's like you probably earn a, a nice 20 at, at the, the next time you're at the, one of the bars. So <laughs> before we kind of get into like all the different fun things to do in uh, northwest Indiana and like all the different attractions and places to eat and stuff like that, like what's your connection to the city? Like, what, what brought you there? 
my great grandfather migrated to this area from like Ellis Island, uh, drawn by the jobs of the steel mills, like so many kind of before him. And my family's been in this area for generations. I grew up here. I grew up here after college. I kind of moved away for a little bit. I was out in the Seattle area. I was down in Indianapolis for you know a few years, but I just kind of eventually boomeranged back. One of the things that drew me back is I always felt there was so much more that I didn't like fully appreciate when I was younger. There was uh, so much more to explore and things I had just kind of taken for granted about the area and I was kind of felt drawn home and I returned home and I've kind of set about chronicling it ever since I've covered the area for the times of Northwest Indiana for, you know, more than a decade and written, I'm working on my fourth book now about the region. That's so fantastic. Yeah. It's one of those things like as much fun it is to go everywhere else, you know, around the world. And sometimes when you're a kid, you like, you need to get away from home. You know, it, like you said, it just kind of draws you back and there's no place like home. If you had to describe the, the people or like the area in like just a couple words, how would you do that? It's a very industrious kind of hardworking place. Um, I recently discovered the city of East Chicago has a flag and on it they have a, um, a beehive with the bees to symbolize kind of the industriousness of the area. There's a lot of like really heavy industry in the area, steel mills, oil refineries, power plants, uh, soap factories. It, it's a lot of manufacturing in this area. It's a very industrious area and it's a very diverse area too. Because especially when the steel mills were at full strength, they used to employ like 30,000 people. And to fill them up, they brought in immigrants from all over the world. There's a famous photo in, of uh, students in Gary where um, every student in the classroom spoke a different language. They brought in a lot of people, particularly from like Eastern Europe and um, and so forth. And they said at one point in the Indiana Harbor neighborhood in East Chicago, more than 100 different tongues were spoken on the you don't, you don't quite have that to this degree today because the mills just aren't the employment draw that they once were. But it's still it's still a very diverse area, both for Indiana and the rest of the Midwest. For sure. Yeah, I think I think when we talk about like the food a little bit later on, I think all those different influences from those different cultures and languages that will probably pretty resonate in all the different food choices that are available there. But first, like if let's talk about like. Obviously, if we're going to come to that area, would we fly into Chicago? Is that the, the best way? I know they have O'Hare and, and Midway airports. Are one of those the best option to, to go to northwest Indiana? Oh, absolutely. Um, flying to Midway. Midway is the closest airport. There is a Gary Chicago International Airport, but it mainly hi- handles uh, freight and uh, commercial flights. You can easily get there from O'Hare, too, but Midway is just kind of generally the most convenient and then you can go take the South Shoreline train from downtown Chicago and stop off at multiple places in Northwest Indiana too, if you're downtown. Okay, so if we're going to come uh, and hang out there and explore everything, do we rent a car or do we just take that train from the from the airport? What's the best way to get around? Definitely, probably be renting a car. There is the South Shoreline, which is the oldest interurban in the um, in the country, where the trains used to kind of run through the city streets, and it still runs between Chicago and South Bend. It carries a ton of commuters from Northwest Indiana into the city, and you can take it. You know, because a lot of people who visit Northwest Indiana are visiting Chicago, and they'll come. You know, they might stop to visit the Indiana Dunes National Park or come to visit something specific for you know as part of a bigger visit to Chicago, but you can take the train and get pretty close to the beach um, from downtown if you need to. You know, there are a couple places like in Miller or in Michigan City where you're only going to be like a mile or two from the actual lakefront and you can rent a bike there. You know, most of them have bike or scooter rentals or that type of things. Now, 
However, um, to get around the area, it is it is a region. It is called the Calumet region. It's very kind of decentralized and spread out and balkanized. And a lot of the attractions are not like highly concentrated. There are many like walkable communities like Miller and Crown Point and Valpo. And but you generally want a car to be able to get around if you're looking to experience kind of the full breath, even for the Indiana Dunes National Park. Because unlike other national parks where, you know, the Smoky Mountains or Acadia or Rocky Mountains or Yellowstone, you just drive into the park entrance and you're there. This park is spread out over more than two dozen different discrete sites that are spread out basically along the shoreline. If you're looking to visit, you know, experience all the hiking and historic sites and, you know, the rivers and the various things you could check out with it, even within just the Indiana Dunes, you generally will need a car to get around. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I know that obviously Chicago has the reputation of like the Windy City. And I know that from my experience of visiting sometimes during the wintertime, it can get extremely cold there with like the wind coming off the lake. Is it the same thing in Gary? Do you have those same type of issues as far as like the wind and, and cold in the wintertime? What time of the year do you recommend people visit? Oh, absolutely. It, it does have what's called lake effect snow, too. So the snow gets very heavy, especially off of the South Shore. The winters can be somewhat hostile and brutal. There are a couple things to do in the winter. You know, the shelf ice is something to behold on Lake Michigan. Some people like to do cross-country skiing at the dunes and that type of thing. But generally, the peak of the tourist season is definitely in the summer. You have more than 3 million people visiting the Indiana Dunes National Park and the Indiana Dunes State Park, which is completely surrounded on all sides. by the. It gets confusing for people, but it's completely surrounded all on all sides by the Indiana Dunes National Park. Um, <laughs> there are two separate parks. And the summer is definitely the peak season because a lot of people come and they like to spend the weekend out on the beach or clamber up the dunes and kind of hiking around. However, the spring and fall are also popular, particularly among birders. A lot of the tourism that comes here is niche. People will come here for like the craft brewing or people will come here because they're national parks completists and they make it a point they on their bucket list to visit every national park. But another big draw to the area is birding because being on the southern tip of Lake Michigan, it's kind of a funnel for a lot of the migratory birds. You have more than 370 different types of bird species and um, migratory birds that pass through. I love to go check out like great blue herons and some very majestic birds you can see. Um, they're trumpeter swans at like Wolf Lake and Hammond, things of that nature. Plenty of hawks and raptors and uh, those types of things. A lot of people come for the birding and then the big season for that or the spring and fall. They have a birding festival at the Indiana Dunes every spring, which is a, a big and growing attraction. There's a significant amount of monarch butterfly migration in the summer, which is another reason people visit. Uh, another draw during the summer, too, is a lot of the festivals are also um, very popular during the summer. Progi Fest, Festival of the Lakes, many Greek and Serbian festivals. Um, a lot of the summer festivals also uh, pack people in. Yeah, my kids love popcorn, and I I, I was reading something. There's like a uh, the Valparaiso. Okay, I probably mispronounced that, but the Valparaiso or something popcorn festival is another thing that happens. Oh, absolutely, Valparaiso. It's where Orville Redenbacher was from uh, of the kind of microwave popcorn fame. He um, built his first popcorn operation there, and they kind of commemorate him every August. They have a big festival uh, that takes over pretty much the entire downtown. It oh, draws awesome. people from far and wide. <laughs> There's you know live music and craft beer and countless vendors and artisans and artists and pretty much all the popcorn you can eat. A lot of the festivals center around food like uh, pierogi fest and kielbasa fest and you know things of that nature, celebrating kind of the ethnic heritage of the area. That's pretty cool. I, I even saw that there's something I guess like on New Year's Eve they they actually have a pierogi that drops. 
Oh, absolutely. It's a kind of popular, like in uh, on New Year's Eve, a lot of people will um, play off the Times Square thing. In Atlanta, they do like a peach drop and there's a conch drop in Key West. And they do a lot of places will try to bring a regional flair to it. Here they do a giant pierogi. It's usually broadcast by the Chicago TV stations, but they basically take a giant pierogi lift it on a crane a uh, hundred feet into the air and then drop it on t- into a boiling pot at the stroke of midnight. It plays off of the pierogi festival that takes place every July um, in downtown Whiting where um, it's a celebration of kind of the, the humble Slavic dumpling that's either sweet or savory, you know, very popular ones are like meat and kraut and spinach, or they pack in more than um, 75 food vendors selling more than or 1,200 types of food. A lot of it, um, you know, Polish, like the pierogi, of course, but Polish sausage, halupki, stuffed cabbage, basically any kind of Polish or Eastern European cuisine you could imagine, that, that sort of thing. I got to wear my stretchy pants when I come visit, I think, because there's like so many different like wonderful things to eat. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a great food culture because there's a lot of spillover from the Chicago food culture here where, you know, all the Chicago styles of pizza, the Italian beef, euros, uh, the Chicago style dogs, uh, Maxwell Street polishes, all those popular Chicago street foods are available um, abundantly here. That's so awesome. Well, before we talk about all the things that you know are going to make me wear stretchy pants, let's talk about some of the things to do around the city that are going to be a little more active, so that way I can like feel you know not as guilty when I'm when I'm chowing down on all that great food. So we were talking about earlier where like the sand dunes from the National State Park as well as like the the, the state park, you got those, and I, I think there's like some some different trails that are at some of these parks, and and uh, they have a great view from what I read. It was one of like the best views. It was rated one of the best views in the U.S., I think it was, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, the trail number nine at the Indian Dune State Park, USA Today had ranked it one of the best views in the um, the country. It's this kind of parabolic dune. You walk along this, like, almost this narrow cliff ledge made of sand, and you just have this absolutely sweeping view where you can see for miles around. But there are a lot of trails that go up the dunes that just give you, especially popular among photographers and during sunsets, it's absolutely stunning. But there's the three dunes challenge at the Indiana Dunes National Park where you climb these three mountains made of sand, uh, Mount Tom, Mount Holden, and Mount Jackson. And it's very strenuous. It's a very grueling hike. But you're just um, rewarded with these just expansive, vast views of like Lake Michigan and the shoreline. One of the things that's interesting is there's what's called uh, succession. This is actually where the field of ecology was invented by the uh, Henry Chandler Coles. Because of the surf and the sun constantly pushing the sand in, it causes like a great diversity in um, plant life, which it makes it very interesting when you're hiking. Because like cacti in Indiana sounds like a joke, but the dunes are very abundant with uh, prickly pear cacti, which are, you know, they're very short, like May, June, July, too, where they actually flower. But they're very lovely. You'll see cacti and then a short distance later on the hike, there'll be pine trees. It's like just an incredible <laughs> amount of biodiversity. It's actually, according to the National Park Service, it's the fourth most biodiverse place in the United States in the Park Service. And uh, Coles was a professor at the University of uh, Chicago, and he was so captivated by the plant life he witnessed, he actually jumped off a moving train to kind of get a better look and kind of study it more. A lot of people get kind of like an erroneous impression of it because a lot of people just go like the Indiana Dune State Park, go to the beach, and then think that's all there is to it. But you really have to go back and kind of especially hike up some of the sand dunes to really kind of fully appreciate the kind of breadth and majesty of it. The beaches are great, but it's... um, it's really the hiking in the woods and hiking up the dunes and that kind of thing where you can really appreciate the full kind of scope and majesty of the place. Like the, the saying says, it's, like it's the journey, not the destination, right? 
So I think the, the journey across the dunes and the, like you said, exploring all that biodiversity and like obviously burning some calories as you're, so that way you can reward yourself with some of those pierogies and everything else. But you know, burning those calories, climbing and crawling across all the different dunes, that's like the, the real experience versus like getting to the edge. It's like, okay, great view, but it's really that, that whole trek. Now, I know a lot of people aren't necessarily interested in hiking or they're not necessarily capable of you know, walking like that. What are some of the other things we should be looking at doing while we're there visiting the, the Northwest Indiana area? There's a variety of attractions in the area. There is also um, the National uh, Mascot Hall of Fame is in Whiting near the lakefront. It's kind of an interactive children's museum. It kind of highlights all the various mascots in uh, sports. They have a lot of the Chicago and Indianapolis mascots like Southpaw from the White Sox and Blue from the Colts and that type of thing. But it's truly all North America. They recently inducted like the Canadians mascot and the Phoenix Suns gorilla and Buckeye from the Ohio State University and uh, just a lot of the, the Philly fanatic, a lot of the San Diego chicken, a lot of the famous well-known mascots from across the country. But it's a fun place to take kids or if you're a sports fan just to kind of uh, – to learn more there's also the albanese candy factory they sell their candy all over the country they have a uh, huge factory by the south lake mall on us 30 in um, hobart you can tour the factory it's kind of like a willy wonkesque experience where you can kind of see how <laughs> the candy is made they're known for they have gummy army men and various gummies they're known for gummy bears gummy worms the, those types of things another huge attraction is the fair oaks farms it's like an agritourist destination it's kind of on the fringes of northwest indiana it's on i-65 kind of south and uh mostly in newton county but partly in jasper county they build this massive um farm where the idea is the people have grown kind of disconnected from agriculture kind of disconnected with how the food ends up on their plate so they uh built it to kind of showcase modern agricultural practices they have what they call like the pig experience and the cow experience and you can watch like cows being birthed and you get to see how like pigs and cows and livestock and so forth are cared for on kind of like a modern farm they add new attractions to it constantly like they add tractor rides and uh trails you know, various attractions, but it's pretty massive and it draws people from a pretty wide um, area. It's, and then there's a ver- just a variety of like art museums, like the Brower Art Museum of Alparaiso University. The Chapel of the Resurrection is definitely worth checking out there. That's also been rated as like one of the most scenic uh, college chapels in the country. It's like splashed all over Instagram. It's just very striking. There's a lot in the way of like, you know, shopping and dining in some of the historic downtowns. Crown Point and Valpo in particular. There's plenty to see and do just outside of the the beaches. It's also an area that's known a lot for craft beer. Three Floyds was like rated as one of the top craft breweries in the entire world by Rate Beer multiple times. And unfortunately, they closed their tap room during the pandemic. They still have a store where you can go and buy a lot of their specialty beers. They birthed like this entire generation of craft breweries. There are more than a couple dozen that operate in the area. Some of them have also won like quite a few awards, like uh, Nobler Faults and Griffith and 18th Street and Hammond and um, the Miller neighborhood of Gary are, pre- are pretty acclaimed. They've also won a lot of awards, but it draws uh, a lot of craft beer fans from uh, around the country. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I mean, it's one of those things I love having a beer, just being able to hang out with my friends, enjoying some of the views and enjoying great food. Now, like we said, we, we wanted to hold off on on talking about some of the food places because we're going to be walking around and, and talking about everything. But now it's time to, you know, we've worked our appetite. You know, we, we worked off some of those calories. Let's talk about some of those awesome food places that are that we should make sure we, we hit when we're there. 
there's a variety of cuisine available in the area. One thing I like to do um, when I'm traveling is, you know, I, I try to focus on the specialties of areas. Like, for instance, if I were to go to Cincinnati, I'd love, try to make sure to stop and get the chili or St. Louis style pizza or, you know, those types of things that are unique to the area. There's a lot of Chicagoland style food, but there's a lot of like uh, Polish food as well, like dance pierogies in Highland, Cavalier Inn in Hammond, um, a lot of like old school Polish places where you can eat like pierogi and foods of that nature. A lot of Serbian cuisine as well, like Arbar, Selsivops in Highland. But aside from the ethnic food, though, a couple kind of like region specialties are there's a ton of Greek diners. And one thing they're known for is their lemon rice soup is very popular. Places like the Commander and Munster around the clock in Highland, Cheraville, Valparaiso. They're kind of these old school Greek diners that are open like they would be open 24 hours kind of catering to steel workers. It's called like kind of Greek penicillin, the lemon rice soup. It's almost like, you know, lemon, egg, a little bit of rice, but it's just very, just a bowl of warm comfort to anyone who's ever had it. Another popular um, local dishes include like uh, lake perch. Um, it used to be actually fish from Lake Michigan. It hasn't been for a while. The commercial fishing business kind of declined. For a long time, lake perch and frog legs were always paired together. And you can still find the frog legs in um, some of the places like... Um, uh, Chuck and Irene's in Hammond or the Town Lounge in Highland. Lake Perch is a very popular dish. There's a multiple places you can find it around, like uh, T-Bowls in Cheraville, Bridges Scoreboard in Griffith are uh, two of the more popular ones. It's like lightly breaded. It's crisp to a, it's served um, kind of golden brown, usually with a little ramekin of like uh, butter on the side. But it's a very popular uh, local dish. Also, there's the region style burger, which is kind of unique to the area. They take like a giant patty and they kind of cook it on a griddle where the patty juts out of the side. There's a couple of diners that are really well known for um, serving it. Minor Dunn and Highland Choops is kind of a regional chain. They're based in Northwest Indiana. They have locations throughout suburban Chicagoland, but you can find them all over in um, St. John and Cheraville and Hammond and all over Northwest Indiana, as well as uh, T Berry's Diner in Laporte also serves them the patty is so much bigger than the bun and it's just crispy on the outside and just substantial and meaty on the inside and then um it's so popular there's even a restaurant in chicago called the region where they specialize kind of in the region style burgers but it's definitely worth checking out if you're in the area yeah that's so amazing i, I love it when you know, these local towns and local areas have like their their specialties that that you got to get when you're there and you definitely named a lot and so that's that's fantastic you know I learned so much about Northwest Indiana. Like I honestly never really thought about going there. I go to Chicago on a regular basis, and now I'm going to have to take a little detour to go visit and explore some of these great restaurants and and hit the dunes and and find that little 15 miles of of lakeshore front, right? But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Northwest Indiana, where should they go and what should they eat? There are a few fine dining areas in the area. Downtown um, Valparaiso and downtown Crown Point in particular are known for fine dining. In downtown Crown Point, you have some very good uh, Provetro Latin provisions, has some good tapas. Ramen District in the old courthouse has great Japanese cuisine. Uh, in Valpo, there's just a wealth of places. Don Quixote is an excellent um, Spanish-style restaurant. You have stacks where you actually eat. It basically looks like an old library. It's a very The ambiance there can't be matched. Definitely worth checking out. But the one I would recommend is probably my wife's favorite uh, restaurant in the area, and I'm a um, big fan of it, too. In Michigan City, there's a restaurant called uh, Panini Panini, and it's uh, like a French bistro. It's mainly open um, for lunch and brunch, and 
it's been ranked as like one of the best sandwiches like in the state and so forth by a couple like national publications. They sell like a variety of pastas and entrees, but they're especially known for their sandwiches, but in particular their seafood sandwiches are just excellent. They have like a soft shell crab one, they have um, a smoked salmon BLT, a lobster BLT, mango, uh, mango tilapia, mango shrimp. My favorite is probably the scallop one. They have a grilled scallop one with pear, prosciutto, goat cheese on fresh baked Italian bread. And they serve it with this, uh, like this light little salad of mixed greens with a couple slices of cantaloupe. And it's just absolutely, describing it can't do it justice because it's just absolutely decadent and it's just uh, just uh, wonderful. But the seafood sandwiches, uh, particularly the scallop sandwich at uh, Panini Panini in Michigan City are just excellent. Yeah, sounds like with so many different varieties there. Yeah, I mean, you can go almost every day and like get something different each time. That's that's awesome. Now, like you've been in the Northwest Indiana for majority of your life. Obviously, you got some great memories. Which one of you most memorable? This isn't a story about me per se, but it's a story I love about the area. Um, I, I wrote a hundred things to do in Northwest Indiana before you die in Secret Northwest Indiana, both throughout a Reedy Press, and I really got out and kind of explored the region while writing them. Got out and took photos and visited most of the places. There's just all kinds of there's bison ranches. You can visit Michael Jackson's childhood home. Just all kinds of places in the dunes. They have the 1933 World's Fair, Chicago World's Fair homes that they moved by barge across Lake Michigan. They're on a bluff overlooking the dunes where it's, it's kind of retro-futuristic houses where one has like a helicopter garage, just things of that nature. But I, I was uh, just really got out, and it was the point where I actually got kicked out of one place by like a shirtless, one-eyed man uh, <laughs> while I was exploring this abandoned World War II munitions factory. But that was kind of leading me up to the story. Like One of the more interesting things, I, I'd been to the dunes countless times as a kid going to field trips and just visiting it and it's just a really remarkable place i'm stephen mather the original superintendent of the national park service it was one of the first places he actually wanted to make a national park when the national park service was founded by theodore roosevelt but unfortunately the steel industry kind of muscled its way in and um, started building steel mills there instead what i discovered is they have these shipwreck preserves that are basically just off the coast you can go scuba diving and visit you know these ships that have been these popular commercial ships that largely carried like lumber across the great lakes during the uh the 19th century the one in chesterton by the indiana dune state park it's very tragic several sailors died there but the one in michigan city has kind of a the ss muskegon has kind of a more kind of humorous story where it was at the shore and it had uh, burned up in a fire and eventually the townspeople just got so tired of looking at it, they just drug it further out into the lake and purposefully sunk it. And now it's like a shipwreck and a shipwreck preserve. But I just always found that like humorous because they're it, it's not often known, but like the Great Lakes are kind of littered with hundreds of hundreds of shipwrecks. But there are ones like in uh, off the south shore of Lake Michigan, northwest Indiana, where it's literally like maybe 100 feet out. And, you, you know, you probably want scuba equipment to like get the full experience. But it's um, it's very accessible and it's something you know you could easily experience here wow that sounds really amazing i i just honestly never really thought of like lake michigan as like a place to go scuba diving and everything else but it sounds like it's very popular now speaking of good times and happy memories and like going out and having fun with friends where's the happiest happy hour in in northwest indiana oh um as far as happy hours i would definitely there are plenty of craft breweries one of the ones i would most recommend is probably 18th street they have two locations they took over an old factory building in downtown Hammond where they kind of operate their main base of operations, but they have another brew pub they opened in the Miller neighborhood in Gary, which is, you know, you can visit the Miller Woods as part of the national park. It's right down there. They have a couple of beaches. They have uh, Marquette Park, 
with the impressive like aquatorium and there's just a lot to explore in that neighborhood but they they have a, a very popular brew pub there too they're both very chill environments they often have live music there's a nice outdoor patios um they have very acclaimed craft beer it's won all kinds of awards that's so awesome obviously you like to be able to drink beer and enjoy yourself and everything like that but like one supporting like the local business and then two just kind of having a great environment that we can create more memories with friends and everything now one of the things i always do whenever i travel is check out the local pizza what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in the northwest indiana Oh, there is an overabundance of uh, good pizza in Northwest Indiana. It is a spillover from Chicago. A lot of tourists will associate Chicago with deep dish pizza, but the real Chicago-style pizza is the tavern cut or the square cut uh, thin crust. And that is a style that is extremely popular here. It's where they take a thin crust pizza, they cut it into squares. Like the story was kind of like tapas that kind of originated at a tavern. They would serve it to kind of keep people drinking, like kind of get some salt and so forth into their system but you could put the squares on top of uh, um, beer glass or that sort of thing there are multiple places that specialize in that a lot of them are very um, old school state line pizza gelasimos aurelios dorines there's a overabundance one place i would particularly recommend is house of pizza in hammond a lot of the other places are kind of like more you know you do they have dine-in but a lot of the places are more takeout kind of business that one is definitely a dine-in it's an experience, but they specialize in any kind of, um, you know, square cut pizza you could imagine. Uh, other popular ones, Eduardo's Natural Pizza, San Frantello's, Langle's Pizza in Highland, the original John's. Well, the, the pizza scene here is so vibrant, actually. The Quad City style pizza is another style, regional style of pizza. It actually originated out of here, out of the original John's Pizzeria, which uh, was based in Calumet City, just across the border in Illinois. It's now located in Munster, like a couple miles across the border in Indiana. But the guy who had owned that had moved to the Quad Cities in Iowa. A modified version of kind of the region-style pizza ended up being the you know, the popular style there. But it's just a very vibrant um, pizza culture here. That's so cool. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm all about pizza. And unfortunately, you gave me so many different options. Like, I don't think I'm going to be able to sample them all in like one visit. I'm going to have to come back again and again. That way I can try them all. Oh, you can't go wrong. <laughs> That's so awesome. Now... Obviously, like you said, uh, you kind of hinted at a little bit earlier, like some of the books you wrote. I know you've been writing online uh, with the publication for over a decade. With all those travels and all those different investigations and everything, I'm sure you came up with some really awesome tips. Like, what's your best travel tip? I suppose I would have two, two that would jump out. One is kind of find the specialties of the place versus something you can't experience something you can experience there that that place is better known for than anywhere else. Like a lot of the cuisine in the region is kind of... Um, Lake Perch and Frog Legs, you know, it's not something you're going to widely find, you know, outside of this area. It's kind of known for fish fries or, you know, that type of uh, Serbian savapi, um, you know, those types of things are kind of specialties of the area. And those are things I always kind of uh, will try to seek out uh, when I'm visiting somewhere. But the other is trying to definitely go off the beaten path, like with the dunes in particular, like a lot of people don't fully appreciate it because they'll just go to the beach like I did when I was a kid, but there's there's so much more. There's the World's Fair homes. There's historic sites where you can visit some of the early, earliest Swedish settlers in the area. They settled along like the little Calumet River back when it was a trail kind of leading between Detroit and Chicago. And they you can visit like the early pioneer homes. There's uh, the Pinhook Bog, which I visited repeatedly during this. It was kind of forged out of the Wisconsin glaciation more than 10,000 years ago. And it's this very unique um, environment where this area it has more different species of orchids than Hawaii and the Indiana Dunes, not as many, but more different species and some very rare species. 
but then you have places like uh, Kolsbog and uh, Pinhookbog, where you can only kind of go a couple times a year on these guided tours led by park rangers. There's all these carnivorous plants, like it's a bog where you can basically walk at the level of the water and see all these carnivorous plants, where pitcher plants and so forth, where they eat flies and specialize in that type of thing. But it's just an extremely sensitive um, biodiverse area where there, there's a lot to see that you can't really witness. Um, it's off the beaten path, but it's definitely worth seeking out. That's so amazing. Like, Well, I've been coming to Chicago all these years, and it seems like I've been missing out. I, I, should, you know, I was like within like, you know what, like a half an hour uh, of Chicago, and I missed out on Northwest Indiana. Now, Next time I go, I'm not going to miss out. Again, Joseph, thanks for coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. You've piqued my interest, and I'm sure you did with the listeners as well. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do and uh, a little bit about your books? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, a reporter with the Times of Northwest Indiana. I've been covering the region for more than a decade. I am a native of the area. I also write like literary fiction. I've been in you know more than like 100 literary journals. I've written plays and poetry and humor pieces. I wrote like a history book, Lost Hammond, but my travelogues relevant to this are the 100 Things um, to Do in Gary, Northwest Indiana Before You Die by Reedy Press and the more recent Secret Northwest Indiana by Reedy Press, which kind of explores like some of the more off-the-cuff history. You can go to the jail where John Dillinger escaped from here. You can go to see where there were submarine experiments under Lake Michigan, old Nike missile bases, uh, things of that nature. It kind of gets into the kind of more strange and unusual attractions um, along the South Shore. That's pretty amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to include links to those in the show notes. So that way, if any of the listeners want to buy your books, you know, and again, Joseph, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful conversation with Joseph. I can't wait to hike the trails of the Indiana Dunes National Park with my family. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Gary. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs, so that way you can stay wrinkle-free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Gulfport, Mississippi to speak with my new friend Lisa Evans of writerlisa.com. In this episode, Lisa and I talk about exploring coastal Mississippi's incredible attractions, including visiting the Ship Island, exploring the Crawfish Festival, and gambling at the coastal casinos. You'll be joining us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Mm-hmm.